Welcome to Politically Pissed, the podcast that wants to inform you that this is definitely not an endorsement, but a cock in the hand is worth a gillis in the bush. Welcome to Politically Pissed. I'm here with my co-hosts, Eris. What's up, y'all? And Saeed. Hello. Our guest today is Simon. Greetings. And <laughs> he's a good friend from the infamous year of 2016. We met through the Turkish embassy when I was working for Morgan Carroll as an aide. And the Turkish... So I believe you are talking about the Armenian Genocide Resolution that... Uh, happens every year at the state legislature during which all lawmakers come together just like they do for the holocaust to commemorate the world war one annihilation of the entire armenian people and sometimes the government of turkey which thinks that this major historical event did not take place gets upset when legislatures talk about it yeah and ironically the sponsors were morgan carroll and randy baumgartner that year <laughs> no comment <laughs> so glad we're starting on a light note and we passed that that resolution in both in both parties, and every everybody was as we're always happy to do. What did we get in the mail? But a, a threatening letter from the Turkish embassy telling us to not only take down that resolution but apologize to the Turkish embassy. I had a very interesting conversation with that Turkish ambassador at the time in L.A. It was a very interesting learning experience for me about. Turkish and Ar Armenian and other types of, uh, gosh, country relations around that time. Yes. What are your feelings? Yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to clarify that, you know, the Armenian-Turkish conflict is not between the two nations. It's between the Armenian people and the government of Turkey, which is nationalist, dictatorial. A lot of Turkish Americans, including here in Colorado, to support the Armenian cause, the recognition of the Armenian genocide. But one reason why it's so important to Armenians to recognize the genocide is that it seemed to start a cycle of genocide. Uh, Hitler has been quoted as citing the impunity for the Armenian genocide for giving the order for the Holocaust. So that means a lot to us to make sure that the cycle of genocide ends. Secondly, today's Armenia is much smaller land-wise because of the Armenian genocide and Turkey uh, even though while denying that the genocide did not happen, often threatens with another genocide. So it's important for our ancestral homeland to not feel vulnerable against the powerful country like Turkey. And that's why the recognition is so important. Armenians in Orange County, is that where most of Armenians go when they immigrate here? So a lot of Armenians yeah, live in Southern California. Probably a million Armenians reside in that state, wow. about 5,000 in Colorado. Although I think, as, as you have seen, our, politically, our, our voice is much louder than our number here in Colorado. Altogether, probably a million and a half Armenians in the U.S., most of whom came here because of the Armenian genocide 100 years ago. But many others have immigrated due to Middle East conflicts like the civil war in Lebanon or the Iranian Revolution and the collapse of the Soviet Union, which followed with oppression of Armenians in Azerbaijan and economic problems in Armenia itself. Awesome, but yeah. Yeah, that doesn't no. sound <laughs> awesome. But on the lighter note, how do you yeah. feel about Kim Kardashian? 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he gets asked that all the time. You know, I, I did not know of her until, I think, 2006. A classmate of mine who was born in Pakistan kept talking about Kim Kardashian. <laughs> and I was like, is this a new member of Congress that I'm supposed to know about? Um, I have respect for hardworking individuals. And so as much no as... For Kardashians? <laughs> I don't know. I have very mixed mixed feelings about the the Kardashians. She's trying to be a lawyer now. Uh, yes, through enterprise <laughs> or, or apprenticeship training. It makes yes, me feel bad about my profession. I mean, you oh. know, <laughs> we we all have our embarrassments, right? I have my local embarrassment, which is always Rhonda Fields, and mm, then of yeah. course we have our national embarrassment, like Ben Carson. So, <laughs> since we're talking about national level stuff, I figure we can start into. One of the main reasons we brought you here is we wanted to talk to you about Andrew Romanoff's campaign. I know that you helped him set up the campaign, something you were explaining earlier. Can you go ahead and tell us about what you did as far as on the campaign? Maybe some things you know about it. Maybe talk about some platform issues you might have if you're able to. Sure. It, it was a very short-lived experience only because I have many other things going on in life. But to help him launch the campaign... I worked pro bono in setting things up and helping setting things up, including grassroots outreach, which we did a lot through the Democratic organization meetings that were taking place throughout the state. The reason why I support Andrew Romanoff is the experience I had when I worked at the state legislature when he was a speaker. And as much as I've met a lot of great people there, both Democrat and Republican, he, he was always one of a kind, the way he treated people. Um, you know, whether you were the governor or a custodian at the Capitol. And um, because I was involved in helping organize the tour operation, I, you know, I saw a lot of those physical and public interactions. So that left a very uh, deep impression on me, the way he would work with people. I was also very impressed how he got work done and was able to work with Republicans. And I think being a, a centrist in terms of getting work done, not in terms of your ideas, but in terms of achieving solutions, that's a really tough thing to do, especially nowadays, and we need a lot more of that, and that's why I would love to see him in the U.S. Senate. I mean, working with Republicans, that's not like super popular with the Democratic Party right now. Um, How do you see that as something that is a benefit for him outside of maybe actually being able to do something? Sure. Well, if we're talking about, yeah, the, the Democratic primary, it might not be a benefit uh, for Andrew Romanoff. What I was telling you is why I support him. Of course, the game seems to be right now is like, who's the loudest shouter? And I personally don't think we don't need someone who's louder than Trump. We need someone who get get things done. Here's the question, though. At this point, with as many candidates there are, mm-hmm. is it the loudest shouter is the one with the most money? Or? That that yeah may end up being the case. I mean, we've seen. Through, I mean, I'm I'm probably being very subjective, but from what I see, the grassroots support, Andrew Romanoff, he got more donations in the people who supported him in Colorado than any other candidate, both Democrat and Republican. But of course, the money is is different. The money from pouring out of state for both Democrats and Republicans, um, it is it is it is scary. You know how much money we have in politics, and that's yeah. it's that's something that regardless party regardless platform we have to really think hard about no i completely agree with that the colorado sun mm-hmm. said there's a few top candidates and a few long shots i just want to run through a couple of the top ones see if you'd heard anything about him or anything like that like daniel bear mike johnston i know he's one <laughs> you probably heard of before maybe get some opinions on like alice maiden or madden madden, yeah. madden. Yeah. to be honest looking at their policies you know they're all decent people with good backgrounds 
from some of the long shot ones, there are others running, and we have actually, I think, ran into them at some of the grassroots outreach events. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good field. I I have my bias. You know, I'll <laughs> end up you know voting for whoever represents the Democratic Party in that election. But I think we need politicians like Andrew Romanoff uh, in our day and age. And I don't want to get uh, too detailed about his background, but he's able to get work done. His father is a Republican. His mother is a Democrat. So he never looks at Republicans like some, you know, Democrats do vice versa, that, you know, you know you're know, you evil or, you know, you don't like this country or you hate me or you hate, you know, half of the country. He really tries to understand, understand people, you know, get work done with them. And uh, he's able in, in some ways to talk about issues that may seem extreme to Republicans in a way that is approachable. He talks about Medicare for all, which is, you know, something that's not very popular with Republicans. But someone like him, I think, would be able to to get the message across that this is not about identity politics. This is not about major shifts. This is about a fundamental economic issue at the end of the day, too, that that should be addressed also, you know, as well as a human rights issue. I agree with Simon on this. Not that, I'm not going to say who I support in this race because I'm just going to support whomever the nominee is mm. at this point. But well, you're I, not going to vote in the primary? What do you mean you're not going to... Shove it, Ares. But I think it's concerning both in the Senate election and both presidential election <coughs> that people are just going to start saying, I won't vote for this type of person. I won't mm. vote for this type of person. We're going to start splintering, and people underestimate the power of these Trump voters and these Gardner voters and how well-organized they are, and we're going to split the vote, and I, I, it's it's concerning to me. Well, I guess as you started setting up Romanoff's campaign and helping him out with that, did you know any sort of strong backing for Cory Gardner or any sort of Republican push that said that, yeah, they're going to really try, or did it seem like maybe they might have given up on him? I think the common knowledge is that this is going to be the most contested Senate race in the country, and so Republicans wow. are going to pour in any and every effort they can. So and there were many board. others, you know, helping set up. Mine was a limited role, and so I did not do much background research on on Cory Gardner's. And I do have, you know, somewhat of a conflict of interest because the one organization that I'm a member of and support, the Armenian National Committee, has a good relationship with Cory Gardner because of Gardner's support for Armenian genocide recognition. And so I have been careful not to completely dismiss everything that Senator Gardner has done. But in that same sort of category, passionate issues for me, again, Andrew Romanov is probably number one in, in the whole state, if not in the, in the whole country. So he was actually the one at the Capitol who launched the Armenian Genocide Resolution. He didn't do it because there were Armenian lobbyists or Armenian donors. He did it because it was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And then the monument that Kadia referenced, the Armenian Genocide Memorial, the larger one placed in 2015, the Turkish and the Azerbaijani lobbies, they spent tremendous resources to fight it. And actually, the speaker at the time, Hollinghorst, had been flown to Turkey on one of those, you know, wine and dine tours. Mm -hmm. And they were able to basically convince her that this is not a good thing to do. And we felt our community that, you know, our effort was going to be defeated. And after all that pushback, there was only one person we could think of who, who might be able to stand by us and help, and that was Andrew Romanoff. He was not a pol he was not an elected member at the time, but he came in after one phone call and, and lobbied for this 
genocide memorial, which is for all crimes against humanity. Just another example of you know why I think that you know every Democrat should should support him. It just seems like everybody's coming out of the the corners to say they're running against Cory Gardner. He's just hated just that much. <laughs> well, I think Cory Gardner had a great opportunity to be a real you know maverick, as Republicans like to use that term for a while. <laughs> he had an opportunity to stand up to the White House, and he has not because he's afraid of another you know right wing candidate. Primary, Pri- yeah, yeah, primarying him, and unfortunately, he tried to take the easy way to the general election, and and that never earns a lot of support. I I think he has lost really the independence and moderate Democrats who would have maybe considered voting for him if they were not happy I mean, with the. He Democratic used to be a candidate. Democrat himself too. Yeah, he was before, but I mean, it makes sense. You're talking about too with the organization you work with that. You have to cooperate with the person that's in power. You don't necessarily right. get to choose mm-hmm. that at the time. I mean, I get that. You know, you guys had to work with him and. You, you have to sort of support him in a way, but at the same time, you're saying Andrew Romanoff would hands down just be the better way to go to get sort of the same results and help, but uh, also move forward other progressive issues. Definitely. Like yeah, and, and do it, you know, without expectations of, of, of support. Just do it for the right reasons. And yeah. there are few politicians in Colorado that I can think of that along those lines, and Morgan Carroll is probably one of them. And to mention a Republican, Cole List would, would also be on that list. Let's, we're still talking about elections, so let's talk about the runoff then. Okay. All right. We're going to move into the runoff. We can start with the uh, top of the card if you want, but we can All three of you live in want. Denver. I mean, we might as well start yeah, at the bottom up. and work our way up. Start at the bottom? Okay. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, there's Taurus and Barella. Uh, do, you know, do you remember what districts? Yeah, they're in uh, Irene's district. Irene Aguilar's district. That's like southwest Denver. Okay. Do you know anything about that one? No, I, I know that Burrell is like the machine candidate and machine candidate. and the Torres is more like not the machine candidate. <laughs> That's all I know. All right. <laughs> That's all I know. Eric, you got anything? Not really. Okay. <laughs> because here's the thing. Whenever we get to runoff time, I just go, well, the guy I voted for didn't win. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, next. I mean, okay, so Sandoval, who is this? That's in Dave's district, where Dave ran. That's right. Uh, that'd be uh, District One. Woo! I'm happy he beat Dave. <laughs> oh wait, Woo. Dad like our feelings. I'm you, trying to think about this one. We might want to edit that one out. Is this <laughs> is this Beardy Dave? Uh, yeah, he had a beard, and he had like the hair with the comb over, kind of tall. <laughs> so getting back to the topic, it's Soma versus Amanda Sandoval. Do you know Do you these care? people, Saeed? No, I saw a couple signs out there before, but. I don't know. I think Soma is pretty average white dude, and Amanda Sandoval is a pretty much average politician lady. Yeah, I mean, you know, six one way, half of it, and the other sort of thing. Like, Um, whatever. It'll be fine. Vote for the woman. Why? (laughs) You know, I'm just tired of these dudes lying to me. I'd rather have some women lie to me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Women lie to you a lot, Eris. I know. Okay, well, let's, All right, get, let's go to the next one. To the, <laughs> All right, uh, so Albus versus Candy. Well, no, no, I was thinking about Hines and New first. Oh God. Okay. We had Chris Hines on the program before. He <laughs> he did a he did a fine job. Yeah, I, I honestly, you know, I'm actually pleasantly surprised. I guess that he he made it that far. Made it that far. I fully credit the podcast for the election boost. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take credit for actually, that. Actually, sure. I've heard from some people that that, that swayed their vote. And um, yeah, so I. It, I mean, one, it's kind of cool to see that he's lasted this long. Um, I also don't really endorse him, so I can't. 
He's not that weird. I'm endorsing new either, but do you know anything about him? Like, I mean, you live in Denver, so I mean, it's not necessarily <laughs> your district right no. now, but no, it's not. I've lived in Denver for about two years. I used to live in in Littleton. That's no excuse to not know local politics mm-hmm. very closely. Unfortunately, the past year I've been over-investing my time and energy in a research project, so I don't know much about the local races. Fair but, enough, you know, I, I can say a few words about the mayoral race, if you like. And Yes. All right, well, let's talk about Candy and Albus real yeah, quick. Yeah, right. let's talk about That candy. one I think we could talk about a little bit at length before we go into the mayor, but I'll we'll definitely get your opinion on the mayor. Right. I want to hear it. Yeah. I'll make a disclosure. I'm volunteering for Candy. I mean, I want Candy. Candy Man. always sounds good. So. I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> Here's the thing. We've, I've been very clear about this. I support Albus Brooks. All I'm saying is that I have watched Denver's black population road here, and I have watched a lot of the seats be taken away, and people who don't represent the community that they are in taking away those seats. I have a very hard time endorsing Candy because, one, she ain't coming to me. And two, she ain't coming to people who look like me. So. You don't live in their district. Doesn't matter. Doesn't <laughs> matter. <laughs> Even if I'm not your constituent, I want you to talk to me? Well, no. Like, when I say people that look like me, there are people in that neighborhood who, you know, I have friends who live there who would be like, I, I don't know who she is. Hmm. Right? Yeah. They know all this. They've called them. Okay. So, at the same time, when I'm looking at people who live in that neighborhood who tell me that that's their person and that they, they feel like that's what represents them, I... I'm gonna go so let me that. ask you, you're saying Miss Candy from the block here is not really from the block, at least as far as you can I tell? I mean, she might be from a block. She just ain't crossing over to my block. Yeah. <laughs> and so, she ain't crossing over to the block of my friends. So is this a fight between Chicanos and black people? Pretty much. Yeah. So it sounds like well, that's not good. black and brown relations are not working out right now. Well, it never really works out. I mean... I would say that there is the expectation on both sides where people are endorsing the minority candidate mm-hmm. and they want that candidate to win and then but they're that candidate is going to go to a certain base. And mm-hmm. so for Albus, his base is going to be base is gonna be black people. For Candy, her base is gonna be be brown people. So is it the people that are gentrifying that are really gonna make the difference there? Probably. <laughs> if, if I see I, I said I had nothing to offer, but uh listening to your conversation, the uh I have to agree that community outreach is very, very important, and and that's something that needs to be done on an ongoing basis from all the politicians statewide that I've observed. I think Jason Crow is doing the best job with community outreach. Every event I've been to, he is there, Mm -hmm. and that tells me that he is going to do well and that other politicians, you know, should heed his example. No, that's That's a good point. Eris also makes a good point. If you look at the map, where Candy has the most support is the brown area, and where Albus has the most support is the black area. I think it's going to be it's going to come down to where where people live, yeah. and it might be extremely close. Yeah. So, how do they end up being racist towards the other minority? It's not about that. It's I think it's really about the representation and people feeling like they have a voice in their community. So really, especially. Demographic like, change. So if you if someone had told you that Candy was all over talking to both sides, or Aldous was all over talking to both sides, no, that would more that would matter to me, right? Like it if would, you felt if you felt like if I felt like Candy was actually going to represent mm-hmm. the black areas in the same way that Albus has 
said he would represent the black areas. Said he would. Said. I, I trust no po- <laughs> I, I look at what they, they say things. I don't think that any of them do any of what they say. But, <laughs> but you let's, know. let's flip it over. Let's. What about Albus Brook representing the Chicanos? You know what? You should feel the same way. You should be like, if he is saying that he can represent us and making that good faith effort to be in the neighborhood, talking about the ways he will represent them, then I would say then he's the better candidate. I would say the same thing about Candy. But neither one of them have really done that well, and that's the problem where I feel like if I'm living there, my friends are going like, he's the guy who's going to best represent me, and that's why I'm with them on that one. But at the same time, if they were like, hey, but Candy came over to my house, man, and she sat down with me and just was like bringing all the other people, and this is how I'm going to represent this black community that's being destroyed and being removed and being displaced – that would be a whole different conversation. The whole community is black or brown. They're all being removed and displaced. I think it's a mistake to divide us up. I'm not saying that we're not being displaced. I'm saying if you are having that conversation with black people and saying, hey, I understand this is the issue facing you. It's facing this community as well. This is how I'm going to address it for black people. This is how I'm going to address it for Latinx people. That's a whole different conversation. That's not a divisive conversation. That's a conversation saying we can unite it, and this is how I plan on uniting it. And I will admit both of them aren't doing that. So you're saying like uniting by tailoring solutions to each group that could work for everybody. Yeah. The same solution might work for everybody. Yeah, but you have to communicate that. Make the solution that works for everybody, but it may have to be tailored in certain areas for each demographic. Yeah. Um, Yep. Agreed. But I, we've seen Albus in, in office for a long time, and I don't think he's done that. Yeah, I was. That's a yeah, point. I was that's a good to. point. But we also don't have a track record with Candy that suggests the same that she's going to do better. That's true too. Well, what what track record are you talking about? She, what has she been elected to? Exactly, no track record. Well, give her a chance. It's better than. than oh, you know who we gave a chance in 2016 who had no track record? Donald Trump. <laughs> Candy versus Trump. I don't. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There is, you have to admit that there is the danger of the unknown, and there is a danger of no track record. Okay, she. I, I do you stick with the evil that you know, yes, or go exactly. with the possible evil? Yeah. That Which you brings don't us know. into the mayor race. Yep, that's yep, brings let's us right, into, jump right into it. And I know that Simon said he'd have some more words with this one. So <laughs> Hancock and Gillis. One of them's been exploiting the community for personal gain. <laughs> And the, the other, other one's been exploiting the community for personal gains. So, um, where do we go? <sighs> How do you not understand what the NAACP stands for? Mm. That, uh, yeah. I don't care. That's, that's <laughs> when you're like, they don't help me. <laughs> yeah, but then, much. but then again, Hancock, Hancock, you were a proven harasser. And other things. <laughs> no, I think we all have like our reservations with Hancock, right? He's been in office for a substantial amount of time. There are things that he probably has done that have supported some people, not others. And he is a very mixed bag. <laughs> um, I won't say he's the greatest politician of all time because he's not. I also oh. will not say that he is the worst mayor we've ever had. So... I actually agree with I I agree with everything that I am hearing. So um, I don't like disclosing how I voted, but I held my nose and voted for Hancock. I'll do it again. How does it make you feel though when you have to hold your nose and vote for somebody? 
<laughs> well, yeah. I guess it's coming, you know, down to um, what Denver needs, and I don't necessarily think, you know, what Denver needs is being uh, offered by the alternative candidate. Um, we're still going to see corruption in city government. That's an unfortunate reality in in this country. We also should. I think be somewhat kinder to incumbents in office. We have this thing, and that's not just an American thing. This is across the world where someone is in, has been in politics. We automatically, you know, consider them dirty, this or that, and we want to see them gun. Um, he's done a decent job for for Denver, and you know, let him do it for a bit longer. Yeah. Uh, see, I don't know though. Like, just because he's incumbent isn't the reason that we're attacking him. It's because he did he did a lot of bad things as the reason we're attacking him. There are some incumbents I can think of that I'm like, okay, yeah, they're cool. I'm, I don't have anything to say about them. Like, That's true, but, you know, we just talked about an incumbent earlier, right? At some point, people want him to move out the paint and let room in for somebody with no track record who might be worse. Um, <laughs> and that is what we – So, okay, go to, go to Gillis's track record then. What's Gillis's track record? Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think Gillis has a track record that suggests she wants She's a TED talker and calls herself yeah. an urban therapist, which is the whitest thing I've she's ever heard of. No, she's from Iowa. And, Where um, does she live right now? In downtown in Rhino. Oh, really? Which used to be Five Points. Yeah, she's a gentrifier. Right, that, yeah, that's, but that's so a track is record. Hancock. It's just maddening. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hancock's from here. He ain't a gentrifier. He just supports it. (laughs) He just he pushed it along. Even worse, (laughs) he went to Dubai on our our tax dollars. I uh, this is just my my brain has a brain freeze. We're not going to talk about who goes where on tax dollars because guess what? There's a bunch of politicians who are doing it, and we know a lot more people who have dirtier hands than that (laughs) for spending taxpayer money. So. Since we're on gentrification, if I may, <laughs> if I may say something, uh, going back to the discussion, if you know one candidate represents the Chicano community, the other the Black community, and I think a lot of the things we're talking about are class issues, right? We're talking about vulnerable people, underserved populations, and I am oh. becoming politically pissed by the fact that yes. Democrats don't like talking about class. We don't. Amen, brother. We don't <laughs> talk awesome. about yes. poverty well, because we, I was at the central committee meeting of Democrats a few weeks ago. I was appointed to the committee. This guy from rural Colorado stood up. You know, you could tell he is his dirt poor white guy stands up. They're talking about diversity, and he says, "What about the white people, the white men?" And what I heard him say was, "What about the class?" But yeah. everyone, like every Democrat in there, felt like this. You know, racist this, dude yeah. is part of our. P- platform, they boot him off. I was like, they, no, the guy's talking did? about. He just wasn't able to that's how you know he's talking about uh, yeah. class, right? Because if and you talk about class, most people, yes, are minorities, but we also have so many white brothers and sisters who are impacted by gentrification. Well, and I think that's by a all those problems. Very, very good distinction because yeah. it's not necessarily about race. Democrats like oh. to put labels and titles and all kinds of oh, like yeah. you know definers or identity politics and whatnot. It's not necessarily about identity. Those that have and those, those that don't, don't have. That's exactly. really what it is, and we should be more comfortable what? saying that. Out we loud. really should be. Yeah. The only this is this is where I have the pushback, uh-huh. and uh-huh. no, because I Go do ahead. think that socioeconomic status really does play into most of our political needs and a Absolutely. lot of our issues. However, we also have had that be the case for a long period of time, and what we've done in our nation is we've gone, "Hey, white man, I know that you're broke, but you're not as broke as him." 
Nas Broke is that black guy in the corner over there, right? We are going to give you a privilege that we will not afford to other people. There's still inequities in policing that's not based around class. It is, a, it is based around race, right? So we have inequities that are based around race. Right. The other problem is we do have ones that are based around economic positions, and we should actually come together as a coalition of poor people. <laughs> me, <laughs> me is one of them. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, is I think you can sort of combine those, is because a lot of poor people have historically been minorities and people of color, but it doesn't necessarily just confine to them. So if you do something to help with status as far as like financial situations and stuff like that, help to bring people up to a level, you'll start to integrate more people of different races into that privilege that you're talking about. Well, on some level, but remember we have we have we have senators like Cornell West yeah. where <laughs> you are walking on the Harvard campus where you teach and you're still getting harassed yeah. by police, right? I walk onto the CU campus at Anschutz where I work. And I still get harassed by police. That doesn't happen because of a class thing. I am dressed, I have my badge on. It happens because I've also been, con the world has been conditioned to say that I am the other in this nation. So All that, black man. Yeah. yeah. And so therefore there are like those distinctions, but I will say, yes, as you start to have class and integrate people into different areas, you still can close a lot of inequities. But there is a distinction between race and class that doesn't get addressed by just propping up economic situations. Fair. That is a great observation, um, but I think you would agree that gentrification is. Oh no, that's a that's a that's a class there. That is about <laughs> poor people. Yeah. I mean, I will say history in Denver is a little weird with the redlining. There is a reason why I think more black people were a lot easier to jump ship on some of these neighborhoods because they were neighborhoods that they were confined to in the first place. Mm -hmm. And it was made to feel like that neighborhood was less than like think about the history of five points yeah. yeah right like five points was this horrible place everybody talked about how there was drugs and violence and you know what to an extent there was a level where my grandparents were like hey it would be really nice to live somewhere nice yeah but they couldn't and then when they could it was still a segregated part of the city which yeah. was northeast park hill mm -hmm. which they were wow. like hey this is what we're going to do for the people who work for the city who are black can't live in north park hill no. <laughs> right, we're no. gonna make a distinction in <laughs> northeast, um, and so I do feel like there. That's why I would say that there has to be tailored solutions to different people in those areas. Which is the thing with Brooks, is the history for Black people in those neighborhoods is different than history with Chicano and Latinx people, and having to understand that. But I also think the Democrat Party is good as, at pitting ethnic ethnic groups against each other a little bit. I think every party is good at that. That's not like a democratic trait, right? Like I most black people were Republicans for a while. <laughs> like you? Yeah. <laughs> Me, Jackie Robinson, Colin Powell. I don't know how he's still <laughs> holding on to it. But yeah, no, like it, it is a different distinction of like, I think we all as poli all of the politicians will pit whatever group they can against another group in order to get a leg up. Divide and conquer. Yeah. Does anybody else want to talk about the mayor's racing? <laughs> I, maybe we're all just a little depressed. I think we are a little <laughs> depressed. Why don't we get better candidates for mayor? That's my real question. <laughs> um, Need better candidates for a lot of positions. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, we could talk about how um, you know organizations are trying to switch out candidates through uh, recalls. Oh, let's, oh. we can talk about that. all the recalls. Uh, the newest one is Tom Sullivan. It seems like Rocky Mountain Gun Organization has a pretty good, steady push on that one to possibly get them recalled here shortly i mean 
you know, can we can we just talk about gun organizations need to maybe back off right now? Sure. Because <laughs> we've had in light a, of the recent yeah, events, in yeah. light of some of the recent nonsense that we've had with school shootings and threats of school shootings, maybe we should uh, look at some of these organizations and say. You, you need to shush. <laughs> is it interesting that they're going after like the one candidate whose son was in the Aurora theater shooting? Yeah, no, like that to me right there is a horrible. Right? <laughs> like, he was the sponsor of the Erpo bill. That yeah, passed. which I mean, I, I get it. Probably pissed them off a little bit, but uh, but the optics just aren't good. No, they're not. Well, they're Sorry. definitely going after candidates, right, who were elected in competitive races. And the recall thing is, is not a terrible idea that was placed in the state constitution to make sure if there is a jerk in office and they've you know, committed a crime that cannot be prosecuted while they're in office, the people can remove them. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing Republicans abusing that uh, option to the people to basically try to flex their muscles and this gun group trying to do it in any area um, where we have, you know, vulnerable um, candidates and vulnerable elections. And this is, and yeah, going after, you know, someone whose whose son died in in a a gun violent tragedy and and trying to recall them is, is, um, um, is not something that any decent Republican should support. And I am happy that Cole Wiss, the Republican who was unseated in that election, not because of his politics, but because of the Trump effect and the blue wave that we saw in Colorado, mm-hmm. that Cole Wiss, the Republican, actually stood up and on Twitter, uh, he said that he does not support the recall effort. And uh, I'm very proud of him, and I was not surprised a bit. He has had a great record of being a principal politician, and there are very few uh, folks like that in, in the Republican Party and perhaps in the Democratic yeah. one as well. Sides, and so yeah. we should, yeah, we should acknowledge and give credit when it's due yeah, but recalls sure. are a last resort and the fact that we continue to see it be used so brazenly well, i was is... gonna say like in was it 2013 we saw yes. the similar recalls after some the gun legislation was passed them. like yeah. it's happening now i mean what's the stop for doing it in the future should we think about curtailing the way that we have our recall system work we probably should change it a little bit i mean i we i do think it is getting ridiculous you vote for who you vote for these people declared what their platform was you mm-hmm. can't be mad then when they turn around and they vote the way they said they were going to on bills simon so the recalls in 2013 were successful right and mm-hmm. i think republican groups and the, the the extreme groups within the republican party are emboldened by what happened back then so for democrats it would be to teach them a lesson yeah. that actually recall is going to be very hard to to achieve so i think that should be how the civic society's uh, responses to to the to the situation well, currently, let's make a list here. Now, they've already run Rochelle Galindo in yeah. HD50 yeah. by resigned, her resigning. Right? She resigned, but she was under we, recall threat, too. So. Yeah. yeah. So we have left. Is, is Polis officially under recall I threat? I don't think so just yet, is he? I don't think I he's haven't a, heard anything Yeah, I haven't heard anything that okay, but, suggests um, anything about it. Frolic yeah. and Bridges are yeah. two. Yep. Now is, Tom Sullivan. So and, yeah, the, the irony effect of Bridges and... <laughs> and uh, Frolic. I don't know who else are we looking at. I don't know any off the top of my head right now. And I I had this discussion with my dad last night, and he said, well, basically, if you have enough money, you can pretty much recall somebody. Right. Do you think that's true? What what do people think? Well, no, I mean, it's definitely true, right? If it's a competitive district, That's scary. I mean, did you mention Garcia? President Garcia. Are they going to the recall him? He is also under consideration oh because there was a district where the 2013 recall, one of the 2013 yeah, I, I recalls happened, and and that would be really tragic. 
Can I can I ask a controversial question? Not here. Of course not. I know this is not a popular opinion, mm-hmm. but isn't impeachment against Trump kind of a recall? Yes, I would say it kind of is, but in a different sense. Uh, the recall we're talking about is spurred by citizen movements. Mm. The impeachment would be through government means. Of course, that's so, the I mean, procedure. But in terms of the push, it, it, the theoretical way it. that it works, as far as like uh, the ideas and stuff, yes, they would probably. So we have him. a terrible president. Most of us don't like him, <laughs> <laughs> and we want to use we want to use the impeachment process Here's to remove him. I think that's not how it should. Here's one of work. the differences I'm seeing is that. Um, the people we're talking about mostly are state representatives. They have about two years in office. Mm-hmm. Beat them in the next election. You know why are well, you the making Sanders run have every single four? Senators have four, so that one's a little different with that. And mm-hmm. that's where I was going to line those up with Trump. Is that you know you get to the point where four years, if you get one two years in, and you realize well this this guy's not doing the right thing or this girl's not doing the right thing or something like that, we need to get him out of there. That's where I think it can help. But when you come to this two year term ones, I think that that's where like. It's just pointless. That, that's a good point. Of course, impeachment is for a crime, right? Yeah, and and, and recall yeah. does not have no, a legal but, definition. But usually for... they use some sort of like foundation for it, what, what they see as a crime, not necessarily what is a crime. Unless you're doing something criminal like Lubsock and um, Baumgartner. Well, that wasn't criminal, but it they was... They charged. They, they weren't doing something criminal, but it was beyond beyond the scope of what they were supposed to do in their job, I would say. Mm-hmm. And w- one resigned and one was... Kicked out, yeah. No, no. I this one's gonna be the fun one because it's gonna be the black person saying that I don't support, you know, impeaching Trump. But I don't. I really don't. Guess what? You people voted for. (laughs) I don't. I don't support the impeachment either. I don't think that there has necessarily been a crime that was committed. I mean, I think he's a terrible person who does terrible things. Yeah, but no crime was found. Yeah, no. I now I will say that one of the things that makes me very heartened is the fact that this is a white president who has done things that uh, his predecessors have done right like this is the fun part we had presidents who were part of racially segregated country clubs mm-hmm. we've had presidents who have said horrible things about minorities and guess what we celebrate them we create the eisenhower school of foreign policy we like have Dude. put these people on a pedestal and then we've re- realized that oh wait that doesn't fly now i think you've just nailed the single biggest reason i don't think that that should happen in the sense that we are now getting to see face forward everything that we knew was wrong with what government everything we knew that wasn't working you were seeing it there's no hiding from it there's no running away you're you're gonna get to see it and now we need to recognize that are we gonna keep doing this or are we gonna actually try and change things by like Voting for appropriate people, making sure we show up and be a part of the system, stay active. Yeah, I mean, at some point it feels like people thought that the presidency was a popularity contest. And now you're realizing, no, these are the executives of your nation who actually need to be competent people. And what do we define as competency? We've now learned that it's not just, oh, this guy was a successful businessman. Right, we we now have That's learned, still yeah, and which is a debatable point anyway, right? Because yeah. you know who else was successful? That Theranos lady who ripped everybody off for ten billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it, it goes both ways. Yes. So I think we now are understanding that we need people who actually understand how systems work, know how to reinvent systems, and who think critically and intelligently about what the issues we are facing are. And move forward and to tie back into our elections here that is the problem we have with our mayoral election we have a person who hasn't thought about the people at all 
that she wants to represent as mayor. We have another person who sits there and he's thought about it because it's his job and he's getting paid to do it, but not that deeply. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Hmm. Yeah, I also think it goes to the heart of why we started the show. We we are frustrated with the candidates who are running for office. It is a lot of people who probably shouldn't be elected because guess what? They're not that bright. And we don't get the best best and the brightest. Except for occasionally we do, right? Yeah, we do. Occasionally we get somebody like Wiseman who He's the one I always go to. <laughs> the always. sad part is he is the one we always, always go, go to. to. <laughs> but no, like we get people like Mike Wiseman. We get people like Representative Garcia. We get these people who are actually really good at their jobs, who are really intelligent, who really think deeply. But then we also get Bumgarner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. kids, if you ever want to be a politician, please um, assess whether or not you are intelligent enough to be one. Yeah. Because a lot of people grew up saying they wanted to be president, and apparently they listened to George Bush and said that C average was a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of kids... Ooh. When the stem, when Kendrick Castillo was killed early on in May, they held a politicians held a vigil, I believe, uh, and it was Jason Crow spoke and Michael Bennett spoke. If I'm in, if I'm not incorrect, and a bunch of the kids were so angry that they that these politicians were just speaking and not letting the kids speak that they stormed out of the place. Mm-hmm. I say, good for you, kids. Like. You, you're tired of this shit, and you're tired of having your lives being politicized. I mean, this kid literally went up to the shooter and like charged him so that nobody else. There could have been a big massacre in this, mm. and these politicians are just making speeches about it to g- gain votes. And I can't, I can't speak to the heart of Jason Crow or Michael Bennett, but I think they they're also abhorred at what happened but these kids were there and they experienced it they lost a friend yeah some of them got shot but this is uh one of those things that kind of speaks to the differences in generations now right we're generation z i guess or whatever they're calling it well not even just generation z but think about all of us in this room were alive for columbine oh yes right i was living in colorado when it happened i I remember you know my teachers trying to figure out what to do because lockdowns weren't a thing yet no they weren't right and i grew up then in the era of school shootings and so did we all (sighs) but these are people who didn't these are a lot of people who don't necessarily understand what it's like to not feel safe in a school who Michael Bennett and oh okay. yeah, I thought you meant the kids. I was like, no, 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 I'm no, no, no. Sure they no, are no. Too. the kids, the kids, no, <laughs> but no, our politicians are a lot older. They're mm-hmm. skewing, and like, yes, they might have been doing duck and cover because they thought a nuclear bomb was coming. Oops. But that's a very <laughs> different thing than no, than knowing that one of your classmates can come in with a weapon that they've gotten from a parent or from some other means into your school and create an act of terror. I mean, the fallout from this school shooting stuff, which I thought Columbine would be the first and the last when I was, oh God, I don't remember how old I was then, but it that was shocking. It was, but then at the same time, when I was in high school, somebody rolled up to Easton, had a trunk full of guns, and they luckily caught it right before they walked in the door, right? Like, this is the... This is the problem is we always hear this thing we think is the first and the last. And I was like, after Sandy Hook, man, I can't say that we ever have a last. Because if that doesn't change anybody's mind on how we need to protect children, so that was an elementary then, thing. you know, nothing will. Uh, uh, to to Katia's point, if I may, yeah, the, 
you know, tragedies can have intergenerational uh, trauma that, you know, lives on for a long time. Said, you're Palestinian, I'm Armenian. We have, you know, <laughs> African-American person, Mexican-American uh, person here. So we all, you know, can relate to parts in, in our community histories that, that haunt us on a daily basis. And, and this issue with gun violence, it's, it's, it's so overpowering and I think a lot of people feel helpless and I'm one of those. I'm like, God, what, what do you do with it? And, and how do you, after Sandy Hook, what we didn't do much, we didn't do anything. And so where do we go from here? You know, uh, every, I teach at a high school as part of the University of Colorado CU Succeed program where we take classes uh, to high schools to, you know, we send the best professors, just kidding, to, to, <laughs> <laughs> to attract the kids to the schools. Yeah. Uh, and every time I walk out of home and, you know, my wife is like, shut the door. <laughs> Be careful, because she knows I'm going to to a high school, and you know nothing is going to happen to me. And we have there there are thousands of schools right across America, mm-hmm. so we're talking about a small percentage mm-hmm. of schools. Mm-hmm. But everyone seems just just to have given up on the idea that we can do something about it, and that is scary. The moment where you give up, yeah, on yeah. how you can defend your children, I, I I don't know where we go from here. Well, as I will say reflects that we've given up on the schools themselves yeah. and the functions of teachers and why we need to adequately have mental health counseling and all of those things that are vital to make sure that students are actually appropriately dealing with issues. I don't know, it made me sad. It <laughs> just sad. made me sad. I have a question, Simon. In Armenia, how can you get access to guns? How or can you? Right, so it's it's a post-Soviet country, so I think a lot of it is reflected. <laughs> They're just uh, sort of there. <laughs> uh, so no, the opposite, right? The Soviet Union did not want There's folks f- to have guns. Sure. Five five year old can just go and get it. No, no, the opposite. You can't oh, okay. really yeah. get yeah. a gun. Uh, there is a legal way of possessing a weapon. It's I think it's a court ordered process, so you have to go huh. through a lot of training and permission to to get guns which i think it's a it's a great idea armenians are very passionate we fight in every conversation <laughs> and we become best friends at, by the end of it and so i'm glad that it's not an issue in in armenia and there's no really police violence there you know wow. people can be very mean to the cops but uh yeah the cops don't shoot and then ask questions uh, but also cops know that people don't have guns on them so that makes a, a, i think a huge difference I, I really don't know, uh, you know, uh, what could be done with the gun problem here. I think there is a variety of opinions expressed here. I think we need to do all of the above just because just doing something about guns, not doing something about mental illness, that's not going to work. And the one thing that I don't know if we've done enough of it because we probably don't want to take the oppressor side, but I think we should also give voices to the families of the perpetrators of those crimes who are suffering they in, in shame, uh, in grief, and they they need to be shown to the people, you know, to potential uh, troubled young men. I, I think that that is a powerful argument, and actually I've heard Andrew Romanov say this, is something like suicide, you don't take away the pain, you transfer yeah. it to someone else. Mm-hmm. So the same with, with gun violence. If, even if you're the perpetrator, you need to realize your anger, your pain, everything you feel, your family four generations is going to struggle with that. So I think that's just one part of the puzzle yeah. that's that's missing from all of this. I think that's a beautiful statement. We probably Yeah, no, I think that's like there. a good one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we'll just end it on that. Now we're going to move into final thoughts uh, for the week. Katya, you said you want to go first? 
I found out uh, yesterday that one of uh, a colleague who was my age at the Capitol I worked with in 2016 uh, committed suicide. And I'd like to wish Dan Brown's family and friends all my best wishes, despite the fact that he was a Republican. I wish I had reached out to you more and this had never happened. You brought a lot of humor into my life in times that were really difficult in 2016. And I'm sorry you're not here with us anymore. You got one? Um, you want me to go? No, I'll let you go first. Okay. So my final thought for the week is mushrooms. <laughs> and I'm done. <laughs> you just gave me an idea, Side. You should not oh. have done this. We live in a city that reinforced the criminalization of homeless people while at the same time decriminalizing another drug. Yep. This is not what we should be about. <laughs> is that your final thought for the week? No. No. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, that here is mine. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you, Denver. What the hell? Again, like... One of the things that I said I was voting for was to remove the public camping ban this year. Why? Because guess what? People have the right to shelter. And I'm tired of living in a city where we ignore our homeless problem. We don't want to deal with it. But at the same time, we have said that you do not have the right to live and you should freeze to death. So fuck you. Because honestly, as we try to tell ourselves that we are good people and that we are caring and that we are a liberal state, we are also saying if you don't have the money to live here, get your ass out or die and that to me is wrong in new york they have a right to shelter right the city spends 360 million uh per an npr report this week on homelessness and that is to give them shelter and put them in hotel rooms and to make sure that they can live we have a chronic homeless popular chronic homeless problem here and we have said we don't want to see it and we don't actually care about the people who are suffering. So fuck you, Denver. Yeah. All right. So we talked about a lot of important and serious stuff. So I want to talk about something that's lighter. Um, you guys have probably uh, all driven by or even visited Punchbowl, the old airport control tower in Stapleton. Oh, the new one. Yeah. Oh, the new one. Yeah, just up the street from here, right? And and I live pretty close, and Harry's you do too, so we're, we're taping, you know, a few minutes away from it. So they used to have this amazing Cubano sandwich, <laughs> and that's what I went there for, and they took it off the menu. Oh, man. I talked to management, I wrote them on Facebook, <laughs> I called them, I visited in person, and left in protest publicly. I was like, you guys don't have it back? I'm leaving. Seriously, it was the best Cubano in town. Better than Cuba Cuba. Sorry, Cuba Cuba. It was really, really good. They took it off the menu. Fuck you, Punchbowl. <laughs> that was the best one we ever had. So thank you for joining us. That's all the time we have. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time.
to the system Yeah, fuck them when we say we're not with them We're solid and we don't need to kick them This is no South East and Western Yeah, guns close doors to the system Yeah, fuck them when we say we're not with them We're solid and we don't need to kick them 